Hey dreamers, welcome to another episode of the Money Matters Podcast. In this episode, we're answering the question, how should you spend your money? We're all guilty of spending too much money on things we shouldn't or indulging in something that sets our savings back. And I know for one, that for me is online shopping. It's all part of life, but it's equally important to have an understanding of where it goes. It's important to have a sense of security if the unexpected happens, like you lose your job or a surprise expense pops up. In times like this, you want to be able to rely on your savings or have a solid plan to save without feeling strapped for cash. This is why we need to know where to spend our money and how to spend it well. Someone who knows all about financial transparency is Sally McLeod. By day, Sally is the group financial controller at fashion brand Forever New. By night, we can only assume she is mastering Excel shortcuts. We can't wait to get into the nitty gritties with her. Welcome, Sally. Thank you. Before we dive in, it's time to share our win of the week. This week, we're celebrating Tamia. Tamia got a cotton on voucher for her birthday back in February, but she waited for the sale period and ended up saving $20. Her mum also used her membership card and earned a $10 voucher for future use. Go Tamia! We love celebrating you on your big and small wins throughout your journey, so be sure to submit your money wins on the forum for your chance to be featured and to win extra points on the Dreamers Hub. Today, we're talking all about money, a new topic for here at the podcast, funnily enough, but we're talking about something that can be a bit uncomfortable to discuss. How should we spend our money and why it should be spoken about for more free-form discussion, judgment and criticism? Sally, we can't wait to get your insights on all of this. And I wanted to start off by asking you, what attracted you to working in finance? And tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. Well, look, funnily enough, I actually never set out to be an accountant. I don't know that there's many people out there who do. Um, I knew I wanted to do something business related. So I did a commerce degree at uni and I really enjoyed accounting. I think for me, it's very logical and there's often a right and a wrong answer. So after leaving uni, I've been lucky enough to work for some great companies, including Southern Cross Stereo, which is radio and TV, and now, as you mentioned, Maddie, um, the fashion brand Forever New Clothing. So as you would expect, my role involves managing the cash for Forever New. I need to forecast what sales we think we're going to receive into our bank accounts and plan the payments that we're going to make out. So in addition, we look after the monthly financial results and work closely with our auditors in preparing financial statements. How fun does that sound? <laughs> exactly. I mean, for me, it does sound really fun. I love this stuff. I'm not, I, I'm learning. I can't say I'm not good at it because I think that that means we're being negative to ourselves, but it, I actually find it really interesting. Maddie, from my dealings with you, I actually think you're very good at it. And I think you need to give yourself a lot more credit. And and to be honest with you, it's actually something that you can learn too. I don't think any of us are born with, you know, great financial acumen. I think it's something that over time you actually, you can practice and you can get better at. Yeah. As someone who drops maths at the end of year 10, it, I can tell you now <laughs> it is definitely something that you can learn. Um, in your day-to-day work, you must need to have a lot of transparency about where money is going, how it's coming in. And for me, as someone who taps and goes on my debit card all the time, um, do you think that transparency is something that we need to be worried about? And is it something we need to have in our lives? 
Oh, look, absolutely, Maddie. I I think tap and go, it can often feel like it's fake money. You just tap your card and you actually don't really think about where it is. And, you know, I know know personally, I sometimes tap my card and and I actually even forget to check the total transaction value of of what I've just tapped to. Um, You know, it's so easy though. It's such a great convenience. So it's not something that you actually want to give up. Um, and, you know, when you think back just a few years ago, um, before we're in that largely cashless society that we are now, you know, you had to have that cash in your wallet. So if you were trying to watch your money or you were trying to be careful and save, you could just take out $20 with you for an emergency and that would be fine. I think these days having all your money so available, it's so easy. And so I think that as a result of that, it becomes important to find other ways to manage our cash and make sure that we stay on top of what we're spending and make sure that we also keep ourselves accountable. So many things. So tell me, <laughs> why, why is it important then that we understand where our money goes? Well, I think it's funny and it's surprising, I think, how much all of those little things can add up. So, you know, this is an example that everyone's probably heard before, but you think about your daily coffee and it's not something that I recommend anyone gives up, but, you know, a daily coffee can be $5. I'll often have two and there's $10. Over the course of a week, it's $50, $200 a month. And over the course of a year, that can be $2,400 on coffee, which is, when you think of it like that, is actually a lot. So I think knowing where your money goes, it actually gives you the ability to think about alternatives. So whether or not you make coffee at home, whether or not you just maybe have one coffee a day or you buy a coffee machine that might cost a couple of hundred dollars. Um, So I think knowing where your money goes, I think it gives you the ability to actually make decisions and make choices about your money um, so that you can actually plan and actually kind of meet those saving goals. I think when when you do lose lose track, I think most people would actually be surprised going back and realising how much they actually do spend on, on those little things. I've noticed that, especially um, at the moment with the COVID-19 pandemic, how much I spend on like subscription services like Netflix, Stan, Amazon Prime, and now Binge. And I wish I wasn't addicted to TV shows on all of them. So as someone who sometimes goes on online shopping uh, sprees and then avoids checking my bank account for a number of weeks because I'm too scared to see how much I spent, how can we get better at looking at our finances without feeling scared and overwhelmed? Yeah, look, it's a really good point, Maddie, because, you know, it can feel really daunting when you think about all the expenses that you have up and all those bills. And, and when you see things online and you do want to buy them, um, it, it can be very, very tempting. So, look, one of the things that I recommend, and it can sound a bit boring, but um, is definitely setting a budget and setting savings goals and targets. Because I think when you set a goal, it makes something more tangible. So, you know, it might be something like you want to buy a new video game or a new phone. It might be a holiday or even, you know, saving up for a car when you turn 18, whatever it might be, I think these things can kind of help keep you motivated if you know what you're saving your money for. Um, You know, I also think it's really important to actually have separate accounts for your savings and for your actual transaction stuff or or your play money. Because I think when it all sits in that one place, um, it it is quite easy to to overspend and to to get tempted by those things that we all all see in our emails and our apps. And it's very, very easy to just click on a button and have those online deliveries come to your door, which is always very exciting as well. (laughs) Um, You know, look, one thing I find helpful to try and keep the money separate is that as soon as you get some money, whether it be Centrelink benefits, part-time job, grandparents, money for birthdays, whatever it might be, put a certain portion away for saving as soon as you receive it. If it's hidden away, if it's put in that savings account that you can't access very easily, then you probably won't. 
And then you've got, I suppose, your other expenses. So your food and your bills and, and those things that you need to pay. But, you know, it is also important that you have a portion available for your, for your enjoyment as well. It's not all, you know, life's meant to be fun. You don't want to kind of save everything and not actually be able to buy those things sometimes that you do really want to buy. All very helpful tips and all tips that I should uh, take take on and put into action myself. One one thing working in a large company like Forever New and in Austereo and the other major corporates that you've worked in, um, a company's expenditure is very different to that of an individual and and managing that. But in the context of a young carer, it's the same way in that the money that we earn isn't necessarily just for ourselves. And many, including myself when I was younger, used a good proportion of my income to help support my family. Um, What is your advice for balancing this and how can young carers feel more confident in managing their money and where it goes? Yeah, look, absolutely. So look, obviously a company is very different to an individual. However, you know, one thing you'll find that almost every company has is that budget that I spoke about earlier. So, you know, each year we make a plan of where the money we expect to I suppose, all, all the money we expect to make on a monthly basis, look at all the costs and where we expect to spend our money, whether it be our rent, utilities, salaries and marketing. And then every month we review where we actually spent our money. And then it kind of, I suppose, that review piece, it helps you look at where you actually should should spend it for spend your money moving forward. So, you know, for example, you, you do have to make changes. Sometimes your sales will be lower than you expect, which is like an individual, your income may be lower than you expect for various reasons, or you have those unexpected costs. And I think you then need to almost reallocate where you think that those funds will go. So, you know, um, I think it's a case of, you know, thinking about an individual, you know, if, if we set a target that we might want to save $500, it's great to set out a plan as to how we can achieve it. So starting small. So start by looking at the income we think we're going to get on a monthly basis, whether it be those government benefits, and then thinking about those compulsory expenses. So as you mentioned, Maddie, um, there's, you know, people may be really supporting their families in a really big way. So factoring in all those costs and things they might have to help out with, um, whether it be rent, utilities, things like personal phone bills, all of those things um, that actually that will need to be spent, um, you know, bringing them all into that, that one place. But I think, you know, the, the one key thing is as well to then think about the things that actually, you know, you enjoy spending money on and that they make you happy. So whether it's, you know, socialising with your friends or if it's, you know, doing some sort of an exercise or an activity, whatever it might be, I think, you know, making sure we actually allow some funds for those things as well. So, you know, one really good place to start is I think once you've kind of done that budget and you've looked at where all those income and expenses are, you can actually then have a look for some opportunities for, for saving. So is there maybe a cheaper mobile phone plan out there? Um, can you change, if you're using your uh, Marky ticket or your train ticket daily, can you change it to a monthly plan and save money there? So even it's, you know, helping your parents or advising for them to go and look for better energy deals, things like that can actually increase the money that you've got available to spend on those things that you actually enjoy spending your money on. Um, and, you know, look, it's, it's important to have those saving goals and be able to support your families in a lot of cases. But I think that's the key. Just don't deprive yourself of everything for those things as well. And, you know, you can you can make your budget and you can try and stick to your budget. And there will be times that you slip up. And, and I think that's okay. You might spend more than you plan to. You might get tempted by something. And it's important to just not beat, beat yourself up about it. Start fresh. It's, you know, when you look at your whole life of 
80, 100 plus years or so, um, those little things aren't going to make a huge difference in the scheme of things. So I think it's about setting those better habits and goals for moving forward. I think I remember uh, when I was younger, my parents regularly reviewing health insurance plans and like trying to see if they could get better health insurance plans. So it's definitely something that um, as we grow up, we don't realize that once you book in or once you schedule in an electricity provider or an energy provider or a health insurance provider, you don't have to stick with them forever. Oh, that's absolutely spot on. And I think one of the great things now is for, for everything, there are so many great websites out there where you can actually compare and make sure you're getting the best deal. So there's, I select this, compare the market, but, but even for um, different products, like, you know, um, mortgages and things like that. And I don't expect many people have a mortgage now, but there's so many tools out there that you know, can be great reminders for your parents. Like, hey, when was the last time you checked the interest rate you're paying? And things like that. There's so many comparison tools. We can just jump online and actually have a look quite easily at what is out there and what better options there are. Speaking of mortgages, um, <laughs> something that I've noticed a lot, I'm 27. And for the last couple of years, I've noticed everyone around me starting to buy their own houses and posting photos on Instagram in front of those for sale signs and like showing everyone how that they can actually buy a house. But one thing we may not know is that they may not have bought that house completely on their own, or they may not have saved up that money by themselves. I, I get really overwhelmed by looking at how successful people are online and, and things like that. But how do you think there's a way that we can kind of get over that and break down some of that stigma and and talk a bit more real, really? That's not a word. Talk, <laughs> be a bit more real about how we spend our money and, and how we save it as well. Yeah, look, of course. And I think this is a great example of one of those instances where social media does not always reflect reality. It's quite easy to for things to look great and look look pretty on, on social media, but that doesn't necessarily, I suppose, reflect what has happened. As you can mention, Maddie, there's so many instances where parents could have given money or supported. And often there's instances which people can really overstretch themselves to get mortgages and end up you know, putting themselves into a really bad position. That's something that you don't want to do. You don't want to do either. I think, you know, it's very easy to see these things and feel jealous or think that, you know, these things completely seem unachievable to ourselves and that we'll never get there. But, you know, the thing is there's no timeline for these things. There's no timeline for buying a car or a house or going on that big Europe trip. You know, everybody has different priorities and, and focuses and doing these things by the time you're 20, 30 or even 40, it, it's not a measure of success by any means. I think that, you know, setting financial goals and deciding what matters to you is so important. So these may look very, very different to everybody. So you can set short-term and long-term financial goals that will help you that will help you to stay on track. So, you know, for example, you might decide that by the time you turn 18, you want to buy a car. You can then look at how much money you reasonably think you can save in this time and you can set yourself monthly saving targets that will hopefully make this goal seem a bit more achievable. You know, if you want to say, I need $3,000 for a car in two years' time, that can sound like a lot. But if you're breaking it down on a monthly basis, it's actually probably not so bad. Um, and, you know, look, I know for me personally, like I ended up having my first car for about 12 years and it was secondhand when I got it. My friends were often upgrading to their shiny new cars and, 
people used to pick on me for still having that same car when, <laughs> you know, I was in my 30s and I had it at 18. But at the same time, yeah, I was really keen to travel. So that's where a lot of my money went on those kind of experiences instead. So just because someone has a house, there's other things that, you know, they may be giving up or missing out on. So I think it's about, you know, thinking about what's important to you and, and prioritizing spend on those things. Yeah, definitely. I think we all get attached to our very first car. There's like an emotional attachment there. What was your first car? It was a Nissan Pulsar and his name was Frosty and he got (laughs) stolen and he got written off. So I didn't even make a decision to get rid of Frosty. (laughs) I was devastated. (laughs) What was your first car? uh, uh, It was a black uh, Suzuki Swift named Susie. Susie, of course. (laughs) Uh, And she was also written off, funnily enough, um, in a in a a car came and crashed into it outside the front of our house. Like it was stationary. There was no one in it, thank God. But it was all a bit weird. Um, Heartbreak. (laughs) Awful. What we've spoken a bit about budgets. A lot, a lot about budgets, yes, and we've actually spoken we have. about <laughs> we've spoken about budgets in episode three of our podcast as well. So, do you have any tools or advice for our young carers when it comes to tracking your expenses and and spending? I'm thinking like really practical tips and tricks. Yeah, look, absolutely. So look, there are, there's a number of ways of doing it. And I think that it's a bit of trial and error to find out what works best for you. There's no, I suppose, one hard and fast rule that will work for everybody. Um, so, you know, if you're a bit of a nerd like me, you like might like um, using a spreadsheet. And look, if you, if you Google money tracker spreadsheet or personal budget spreadsheet, there are so many options out there. And they'll give you a template that kind of maps out the earnings that you expect to receive and also prompt you to think about some of those expenses that you might having might have coming up and it's funny when you see it all in the one place you'll likely surprise yourself with how much you spend on on certain things um there's also heaps of great apps out there that can make managing your money just so much easier and look for me a favorite of mine it's a it's a free app and it's called pocketbook so it's something that you can actually link it to all your bank accounts and it automatically groups all your spending into different categories such as entertainment meals health beauty utilities everything. So you can then set up a budget for each of these groups on a monthly basis. And, you know, as you spend money, it will, in most instances, it will automatically recognize that it's meal or it's food. If not, you can go and change it and you can, I suppose, add it. Um, I suppose suit the categories that work best for you. But, um, you know, I think it's one of those great things that in real time, because it's linked to your bank account, you can see if you're overspending immediately and you can actually change those behaviors. And it's funny, you see nice little pie chart of percentages of where all your money goes and um yeah seeing it like that you think wow I can't believe I'm spending you know 40% of my money on you know beauty or whatever it might be um and I think it gives you that chance to really actually I suppose make changes but I think one of those things is there are so many different different things out there and different ways of doing it I think it um is really about coming down to what works best for you. And you might try the app and think this is really frustrating or it's too detailed. And you might then try and do something like different bank accounts. So you might have a bank account for your utilities. You might have a or compulsory spending. You might have a bank account for your savings and you might have a bank account for play money. So I think there's a number of different approaches. And I think it's about giving different things a go and finding out what works really well for you. So if you were speaking to your younger self about money, 
Do you have any advice that you would give your younger self, either that you've learned in your journey or advice or things that you've learned in your job even? Uh, look, I think for me, one of the one of the big things is around working hard and getting a job as young as you can. So I know that this isn't um, this isn't possible for everybody. And I know that as a young carer, you've got different priorities and you're juggling different things. And it's not like it's easy to just go and add a job onto that. But I think even if you can do something like babysitting once a week or getting a, a job where you can work one shift a week, which might be three or four hours a week, I think it just starts you on that earning path. And I think as you work hard and I suppose start earning money, you can actually start seeing yourself kind of meet those goals and reach those saving goals. So I think that's the biggest one. But the other thing is to just not get a credit card too early. (laughs) I'm not saying that you can never get a credit card, but I also think that, you know, when you're young and you're 18 and banks are probably emailing you, offering you credit cards, it can just seem like free money and you can really quickly get yourself into debt. You can end up paying over 20% interest on these expenses. So something, you know, a, a dress that costs you $100, is actually $120 and then that's adding on every single year. So I think that's a big one that is really easy to fall into that trap. I think you'd remember, Sal, we got work credit cards the first time this year and it was the first time I'd ever owned a credit card and I was nervous to spend anything. I was like, can I put anything on this card? How does it work? (laughs) Because I've never had a credit card before. And, and it's true. And, and the thing is, there are things, you know, like down the track, credit cards can be useful for, you know, spending the time and give you money. So the example that you've given, Maddie, it's so much easier, I think, having one card for all your expenses on a monthly basis. But I think it's also waiting until you're ready and making sure that if you do have a credit card, that you pay it off every single month. It's one of those things you just don't want to pay interest on. So if you want to have a credit card so you keep everything in one place or you might want to get some airline points, everybody's got different motivations, that's absolutely fine. But as long as you're making sure you pay it off on a monthly basis and you are really disciplined and sure that you will be able to do that. If you do get a card, have a really, really low limit, maybe $500 to start with, and just make sure that you are able to manage that Um, because, you know, otherwise I've seen people get into huge amounts of debt and it just takes years and years and years to pay back. Well, thank you so much, Sal, for joining us today, for sharing your story and your advice about spending with us. If our dreamers want to learn anything more about you and your work, where can they find you? Yeah, for sure. Look, I don't have websites or anything, but um, probably easiest place is either LinkedIn or Facebook. You can pretty easily find me on both those places with a search. Oh, thank you so much, Sal. It is always a pleasure speaking with you. Absolutely, Maddie. Thank you so much for having me. It's now time for Dreamer Diaries. Each week, we'll follow the lives of two young carers, James and Julie, as they navigate their own finances. James has a bad habit of tapping his card instead of getting cash out. It's quick, convenient, and during the COVID-19 pandemic, an extra precaution to mitigate the spread of disease. He's just been paid $300 from his job, but when he goes to check his account, his available funds are $80, while his account balance is $220. Stunned at how he's managed to spend so much, James decides to log on to his internet banking and see his spending. He makes a list of all of his spending habits, then groups them accordingly. He calculates that he has spent $20 on Netflix, $20 on transport, $50 on takeaway, $100 on bills, and $30 on games. 
he realizes he's spending $50 on entertainment and $50 on eating. He also realizes he has not put anything into his savings. He decides to create an Excel spreadsheet and track his spending for the future. He knows he can spend $40 at the supermarket on groceries and that the games he bought were a one-off treat. So moving forward, he decides to invest $40 into his savings each week. Julie's friends comment about how she's always in a new outfit. While they mean it in jest, she ponders if this is really the case. She does do quite a bit of online shopping, but she always buys everything on sale, so surely she's not spending that much, right? She decides to open her bank app and look at her expenditure last month. It says she spent $600 on shopping. How can that be right? She reviews her spending via her bank app and realizes her sale purchases have indeed added up to $600. Wowie. That money could have gone towards her long-term savings for a house deposit for her sister and herself. Julie decides to make an appointment at her local bank to get some tips and ideas on how she can make her spending habits more visible so she can better track her spending and still buy clothes. She's also decided that rather than investing in lots of cheaper pieces, she'll buy one or two nice pieces every few months that will last. That's it for this episode. This week, I want to encourage you to create a budget. If you already have a budget, you can refine it with all the tips you've learned in episode three and four of the podcast. If you don't have a budget, you can find a template in the resources on this week's module. We can't wait to see what you do. See you next time. 